Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning, good morning. It is uh, January the 5th, so it is Wednesday, and um, you've made it to the middle of the first week of work of the new year. But if you didn't actually start until yesterday, then it's going to be a short week anyway, and and Paul tells me that where he is, there's a lot of snow on the ground, although not considered a lot of snow. A lot is a relative term. I know. You know? I know. That's what I I was just about... Two to four inches, something like that. Yeah, two to four inches, paralyzing in some parts of the country. And well, that's what I'm saying. Like, right? I'm. That's exactly the point I was going to make, Paul. (sighs) Southerners make me laugh. Well, on the East Coast, right? It was just about (laughs) that much snow that completely shut down Interstate 95 for 27 hours. Ouch. I know. I'm just saying. Like, so if you are a person not paralyzed by two to four inches of snow. Then here's my message to you today. You literally don't know what's going on um, in parts of the country where two to four inches of snow is like utterly paralyzing. Um, And so I thought that this morning one of the things that I would encourage each and all of us to do is to have some empathy and maybe even sympathy, like certainly empathy, but maybe even sympathy for people going through things already on the 5th of January that are causing them grief and chaos and, you know, their plans are totally upside down and sideways. Um, And I got thinking about that as I was praying for the people who were literally paralyzed, like their everything was, they could not move. There was a paralysis on Interstate 95 for 27 hours in both directions for 48 miles. And um, so I was, I was praying for those folks Um, because I have a hard time imagining just how frustrating, I'll just use that word, frustrating that would have been. Um, I am a person who, like, I don't, I don't allow for a lot of travel margin. Let me just confess this about myself. I don't allow for a lot of travel margin, maybe a 15 minute travel buffer on a five hour trip, maybe a two-minute buffer on a 20-minute trip. Like, I'm just, I just don't allow for a lot of margin. I, I know. Now you're just thinking, well, that's just not very smart. You need to be adding, you know, more margin. Well, you know, I just have a – the list of things, my list of things that I think need to be accomplished in a day, things on my list, pretty, pretty long, pretty tight. And so here's my challenge uh, to each one of us and all of us. And you're going you're gonna to start off when I say this, and you're going to say to yourself <laughs> – that's just a basic kindness challenge. No, 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 no. I'm going to amplify the kindness challenge here at the beginning of the new year, and I'm going to invite us to consider a kingdom kindness challenge. So not just a challenge to do a random act of kindness today, but a challenge to do a particularly kingdom kind of kindness. So this is a kingdom kindness challenge, a kindness that's directed towards someone who is being bitter or hostile. Um, this is like 
this is let's be not just counterintuitive. Let's be expressly countercultural today. Kingdom kindness challenge. So I want you to sow peace where someone else is literally spewing venom. I want you to be the person today, ambassador of the king and the kingdom, um, recognizing that we don't really know everything that's going on in the car or the home or the office or the shop or the life of the person, um, you know, alongside us in life today. It's only January 5th, and this year is already inside out and upside down and, and a nightmare for some people that we're going to encounter today. And so one small act of redemption in a world that's plagued by anger and rage seems like a part we could play. So if there's somebody like arrogantly filling the road and blasting their horn, da da da, da you know, like just pull over and slow down and let them speed ahead and send off a prayer to cover them. That is not just counterintuitive and countercultural. It's also the safe thing to do. Um, I I want us to be praying strategically today for people who are hurried and rushed and frustrated and angry and otherwise unpleasant. Uh, I was in Ephesians chapter 4 today, verses 29 to 31. Do not let any unwelcome talk, oh, unwholesome talk, (laughs) unwelcome. That's what I saw with my eyes. It actually says unwholesome. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those within earshot of you. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That's the kingdom kindness challenge. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That's the kingdom component of this kindness challenge. All right, that's just one example of how the Bible is directly applicable to life today. The Bible is the living word of God. God intends that we should actually live it out in real life. But how do we do that? Pastor Daryl Crouch joins me next to talk about it. We'll be right back. Daryl Crouch uh, heads up an organization called Everyone's Wilson. He is also a, uh, a pastor and a brother in Christ. Daryl, welcome back and Happy New Year. Carmen, Happy New Year. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, starting the new year so such a strong way. It's great to be with you. Well, thank you so much. All right, so you and I, I am, I am proposing that you and I this year embark on um, a time together, each time that we get together, that we actually help listeners, help each other apply the Word of God as the living Word. So from the living Word of God to, like, living the Word in the world. Do you think that that's something that we could set ourselves to, like something we could focus on in this year? What an honor. Yeah, I think that would be wonderful. And I I think even what you, the little um, piece that you gave before I came on and just what it looks to be um, a kingdom person in in the in the everyday marketplace and the public square is so powerful. So this, uh, I'm excited about it. 
All right, so let's start with this. Let's talk about the Bible as the living word. We've heard that. What does that mean? Well, it's exciting to me to know that when I open the Bible, that it's not a static in the sense that, I mean, that the, the word is firmly established from eternity to eternity, but in the sense that it's not static in the sense that um, it's uh, stale. In other words, the Holy Spirit who wrote or who inspired these words is the Holy Spirit who uh, preserves these words and is the Holy Spirit who who teaches us and transforms our hearts, gives us eyes to see and a heart to receive. And so the, the author of this word is also the revealer of the word and the translator of the word and is the one who embeds the word deep in our hearts and sows it in our hearts that it may bear fruit. He is the one who empowers our obedience. He is the one who uh, gives um, uh, life and uh, expression to his word through our lives. And so uh, it's exciting to me to know that when I am uh, reading the Bible, I am having a personal encounter with Jesus Christ that is made possible by the work of his Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's huge. So the Bible is different than any other book in this particular way. Um, And you have made reference now um, in multiple ways to the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit um, is present and active in the hearts and minds and lives of the people uh, whom God used to write these words, um, and the Holy Spirit is active and present in the lives of those who open the Bible as the Word of God, receive it as the Word of God, and openly then um, submit to encountering the reality of God's communication to us through this written word. And that is a, um, that's what makes it living, that there's this living relationship with a living God. uh, And I come to know him and come to understand his will um, by engaging in what for other people just looks like words on a page. Uh, That's exactly right. And when we talk about the Bible is the inspired word of God, we sometimes think about human authors being inspired to write a book or, you know, I'm inspired to write an article. I'm inspired by this. And that's this movement of our, in our spirit, our soul uh, that energizes our creativity, our imagination and so on. Uh, when, when we talk about the Bible being inspired, it's different than that. It's actually God breathed. It is out of his being that this word has come to life. And so um, that's through the work of the Holy Spirit, we know. And so it's a, it's a different, it is a different kind of read. It's a, it's a different kind of work. We've heard the phrase, I'm sure, if I can't draw it, who uh, said it originally, but uh, the Bible, we don't just read the Bible, the Bible reads us. Mm-hmm. And that's this work of the Holy Spirit that uh, uh, opens our heart, kind of does surgery. Uh, the, the Word of God is like a scalpel. Uh, that goes into the inner parts of our being and exposes um, our vulnerabilities, exposes uh, our uh, need, and meets our need. And so the Bible's not a magic book. It's a, it's a holy book that is still living and active and powerful as a two-edged sword. And um, that when we submit our lives to God, we're really, he, we do that by submitting our lives to His Word. And uh, we can't 
really know God personally apart from knowing his word. Uh, we can know about him, the sun and the moon and the stars, the, the winds and the waves reveal that there is a God, but it is the special revelation of God in his word that shows us who he is and what Jesus has done for us and the reconciliation that we have in him and how we play that out uh, in our daily lives. And so engaging with the living word of God as a as not just a document, but as a divinely um, inspired uh, word to us um, by the author who is still active and present in our lives. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about what Jesus uh, believed about the scriptures. Jesus makes reference to the scriptures and searching the scriptures. So what could Jesus have meant um, when he made those statements? We're going to talk about that next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Discover all the ground that I have covered. Like seek ye first, what a verse. All right, if you are joining us in reading through the Bible this year at myfaithradio.com, then you know that we are in Genesis and Matthew, Psalms and Proverbs, um, and that there's a reading for every day. I encourage you to uh, join us if you haven't done so already. It's not too late. It's only January the 5th. It's certainly not too late to start in. Um, in an intentional way, reading through the Bible with us this year. So you just go to MyFaithRadio.com and join us. All right, uh, Daryl Crouch is with me today, and we are going to spend our time together this year looking at the Bible and applying it to life. So what does it mean for the living Word to be lived out in the life of a believer? That's what we're just going to unpack and examine every time we get together. And so... um, Daryl, when Jesus makes reference to the scriptures, like, you know, he says to the uh, to the Jewish leaders of his day, I mean, you know, you know the scriptures, you study the scriptures, and yet, you know, and, and he he says on the walk to Emmaus, like, he, he's opening the scriptures to, um, to those who are interested in understanding how they reveal Jesus. So when Jesus refers to the scriptures, what is he talking about? Yeah, he's really referring to the the Old Testament, in the sense that we know it, uh, we we understand that the the Old and New Testament are the full canon of God's Word. But when Jesus walked on the earth, we we only had the Old Testament, and his um, it's really interesting to me that he identified so closely with what uh, God had provided in the Old Testament, and so we know that. All the scripture, Jesus would say, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In Luke 4, he says, he, 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 he basically says, listen, you're looking, uh, gentlemen, and uh, uh, you're looking at the fulfillment of all that God has promised uh, through, this, th- through the scripture. I am the fulfillment of all that the word has spoken. Many times, and what the Pharisees and many religious folks in Jesus' day, just like many religious folks in our day, can view the Bible as a book of morality or moral uprightness or uh, legal or religious fidelity, um, uh, uh, this faithfulness to the law, and uh, that somehow it's our behavior that makes us right before God. And so um, Jesus worked really hard and uh, to correct that notion. And he said, listen, the Bible, uh, the book of uh, the, the word of God that we hold in our hands, these scrolls that I hold in my hands, in his case, or this book that we hold in our hands, is uh, all of it, every word points to the person and work of Jesus Christ. The fulfillment 
of the Bible is found in the person of Jesus. And so the, if the Bible is not pointing you to Jesus and, and deepening your relationship with Jesus as a person, uh, then we're, we're misusing or misappropriating the Scripture. It's not just a storybook or um, a history book or a, even the Proverbs. I love reading a Proverbs, you know, chapter from Proverbs every day. But it's easy if we're not if we're not careful. It's very easy to assume that these are just good pieces of advice to help us live better. Mm-hmm. All of them are fulfilled and made possible in the person of Jesus. Okay, I'm so glad that you um, you know that you point out kind of the danger of just pulling out one verse or let's say one proverb. Um, because this is what I had written down as my next question. Hey, Daryl, let's talk about the blessing or the danger of a, quote, verse of the day. Um, yeah. I do know some people who treat them like, you know, what's in a fortune cookie or a daily horoscope. Um, so I would love for you to reflect for a moment on the whole counsel of God, understanding every verse of the Bible in the context of the whole. I love that. And um, I'm not a real estate agent, but I've heard that the three big rules in real estate are location, location, location. And uh, we would say, as we read the Bible, it's context, context, context. So the verse of the day can be super helpful. It's very good to have a verse. We can't memorize a whole chapter usually, you know, very quickly. And it's nice to have a hook or something that will, you know, this um, that we can hold on to for the day. But the context of that verse is very important. All of it is uh, fulfilled in Jesus. And so to take a verse out of its historical context, out of, out of its location, and what uh, it's trying to communicate in the context of a bigger chapter or bigger uh, book or the New Testament or the Old Testament where it's come from or the whole counsel of God. So I know radio listeners can't uh, see us t- today, but if I had a whiteboard, I would draw an inverted triangle. And on the bottom of that triangle is the verse that you're reading today. And the rest of that triangle, the whole weight of God's word rests upon that verse. And so we want to think about a verse in the context of the whole of Scripture. And how is this verse, uh, where does it find its home in the Scripture? What's what's historically and uh, just uh, contextually happening in this verse? What's being communicated in this chapter and in this in this uh, setting that we find that verse in, and how is that pointing us to Jesus? How is that pointing us to the person and work of Jesus Christ who fulfills uh, the law and the scriptures, the law and the prophets? All of the scriptures fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And so the question is, how am I growing? When I read a a verse from the scripture, how how is that nurturing my intimacy with Jesus? and my obedience to him, and my followership, followership of him in my day-to-day. All right, we're going to continue this conversation over the course of the year um, with Daryl. Um, we're going to talk about the practical reality of submitting to the authority of the Word of God. Like, what does that mean? We're going to talk about, you know, what does Jesus mean when he says that, uh, that the Word of God is truth? Like, what does that mean? What does it mean for the Bible to be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path? What does the Bible say about itself? We're going to talk about all of those things um, as a part of a, an ongoing conversation from the living word to living the word. We're going to talk about the Bible as the living word and believers who are the people living it out in the world that God so loves. So, Daryl Crouch, thank you, as always, for joining us. We look forward to this ongoing conversation with you in this new year. 
I love it. Thank you for what you're doing. It's an honor. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back. So as you drive around uh, your town or your city or on the highways um, of this nation, are there times that you see places, buildings, places of business, and you say to yourself, that is not what God desires? I'm thinking here about places where people are uh, bought and sold, where we trade in the things of the flesh. Um, Those are evidences that all of creation is even now groaning with eager longing for man's redemption. And there are places where God is redeeming such places. I mean, even though in the headline news we hear all kinds of places where churches, physical churches are closing and maybe even being sold and torn down and um, neighborhoods going up. Well, there's other places where God is taking places like strip clubs and turning them into churches. That is the story of redemption up next. Uh, We're going to talk with Linda Dunnigan, the woman at the center of the story, and we're going to talk with Mike Gailey, who helped make the real estate estate transaction uh, possible. This story is out of Anchorage, Alaska, and I hope it will inspire you to consider the ways in which God wants to plant his church in places that need to be redeemed. The period between childhood and adulthood is called adolescence. It includes the teenage years, but today extends a few years earlier and a few years later. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Some studies suggest that adolescence now ranges from ages 10 to 26. It's not just the teen years anymore. My suggestion is to take a long-term view of this journey from grade school to mid-20s. You'll be guiding your child to independence. You'll model healthy relationships. You'll coach them on making good choices and comfort them and discipline them when they don't. Through the expansive years of adolescence, keep your eye on this goal, launching mature adults so they can function independently in a demanding world. Find books and other resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. That's parentingtodaysteens.org. Excited to have joining uh, with us today, Mrs. Linda Dunnigan. You're gonna you're gonna absolutely be fascinated by her story and encouraged by her witness to Christ and uh, just her redemptive testimony. Also joining us, Mike Gailey, who's a real estate agent who's relevant to this story as we proceed. So, Linda and Mike, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. Thank you, Carmen. Absolutely, Linda. Why don't we um, just give you the platform and let you tell us your story? Oh. Thank you so much. Well, I'm pretty grateful to be here. I came to the United States as a young eight-year-old kid from a war-torn country in Vietnam. And my stepfather, he's the one who got us out of Vietnam in the fall of Saigon. So we were able to come to the United States. And in that process, it was a, a tough journey. But nevertheless, I went to a church that had a bus ministry that ministered to low-income family, and what they did was they came and picked us up, and when they did that, I came to know the Lord because they uh, ministered to us everything from food to games to fun, and I just loved it. I loved everything about Christ. 
I loved everything that it represented. It gave me faith. Hmm. I um I so appreciated um it, you know in your book which is just entitled My Journey and again we're talking yeah. with Mrs. Linda Dunnigan. Um I so appreciated Linda uh the way you talk about your early experience as a child. I mean even just what you were feeling in the airlift um, from Saigon in 1975, the descriptions of the way people were pressed together and the fear that you could feel. And I was wondering um, if, as you were seeing events unfold in Afghanistan this last, the end of August, you know, if you weren't thinking to yourself, wow, I know how those people feel. You know, I don't know exactly how they felt, but I had fear for myself. I was frightened as a little girl. There was massive uh, people everywhere. The unknown is frightened, just like COVID mm-hmm. is a, a huge fear for people. But I think if you love, have the love of Christ, you fear for nobody. And mm-hmm. if you have trust, and then the other thing you have to have is hope. If you have hope in something greater than yourself, then there's a purpose. And for me, I also demonstrated in the book that my father and his best friend, took my purity from four years of age to 16. And what they did was they took my innocence. So we were in a movie theater, and my mom was there. I was to his right. My mother was to his left. And he grabbed me and French kissed me. I was a teenager. I was in shock. I bit his tongue, and he slapped me. My mother sat there frozen because she didn't know what to do. I don't fault her at all. But what that did was I was hoping for a better family. I was hoping for something greater than myself. And God gave me that. He mm-hmm. gave me love. He gave me hope and he gave me love. Love through Gary Dunnigan, my husband, my family, my church family. Yeah, you you do have a, a, a very powerful testimony of redemption. I um, appreciated you know the way that you describe um, after the deaths of these two men, uh, you know, that even though you you never confronted them, um, you have forgiven them. And I just, yeah. you know, I just want to say that's a um, that's an act of uh, of love that is that's so genuine um, and very, very hard, Linda, for for some people to understand. They, they really cannot even imagine, um, you know, how you could forgive such um being sinned against in such a significant way. And so I just wanted to just acknowledge um, that as a part of your story. When we, um, when we think about what you have been doing in ministry, tell us, tell us about uh, the chapter in the book that's just entitled Strip Club to Sanctuary, because um, we are talking about a ministry, and there's a real estate agent named Mike on the line, um, and so he's here for a reason. So kind of pull some of those threads together for us. Well, we we have three levels in the building. It's huge. It's roughly 4200 per level. So Open Door Baptist Church is on the first level. The second level is an event center, and then the third one is another church, a Spanish church. So on the second level, we're also going to have a Frontier Baptist Church and Nancy's Kids and the Children's Benefit Foundation. It's because I want this to be a lighthouse in Anchorage locally, and I want it to be holy ground, which reserved for the Lord. And my heart desire is to have four churches, north, south, west, east, in Anchorage. 
and the Lord has given that to me in many, many years in my heart. So I'm in the process of doing another church and ministering to the people. So the next pastor is wanting to do drug people and homeless people, and this is just a perfect location for that. So Mike can um, expand because he's a part of the Children's Benefit Foundation. Okay, tell you what, let's take a break right here, and then we'll talk with Mike Gailey about the amazing story of this strip club turned into a place of churches and other ministries serving the Anchorage, Alaska community. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Sometimes we wonder, what does redemption look like? What does personal redemption look look like? What does it look like to redeem maybe a notorious piece of property in our community? Well, this morning on Mornings with Carmen, we are continuing our conversation with Linda Dunnigan, author of My Journey, and real estate agent Mike Gailey. And we're talking about uh, what used to be a strip club in Anchorage, Alaska, and now is a place where churches meet. So, Mike, uh, and again, Mike Gailey joining us uh, now. So, first of all, set the stage for us, because when Linda refers to the building, what is she talking about and what makes this whole situation so unique? Well, Linda's talking about a notorious strip club located in North Anchorage, right on the main drag on Fifth Avenue. Uh, It was constantly in the newspapers and uh, for various sundry reasons, but uh, the municipality of Anchorage had gotten to the point where they they took away their liquor license and shut the place down. So it was it was a age old strip club. It had actually been in this location since the fifties. But the the owner at the time, uh, since it couldn't operate, the city had taken away their permissions. They needed to sell it. The last time it had operated was around Halloween, and uh, and the lights were shut off. So whenever I'd show it, it was uh, witches and. Skeletons and cobwebs, just Halloween decorations in the dark. So we were investigating the stripper poles and the catwalks and the bars and, you know, via flashlights with the haunted house beam. And uh, uh, nevertheless, my, my vision for the place was, was this was not going to be a church or, or not going to be a strip club or a bar. It, I really had a sense that it, it could be a, a really great location for a church. And my thought was that itself is a redemption story and mm-hmm. uh and i thought you know whoever whatever church has the courage to buy this place and turn it into a church they'll never have to advertise you know everyone in town will be talking about it and be curious about it so i thought you know that's a good thing so i i presented it to um i probably walked maybe 50 50 people through the building and many people prayed about it um, and sometimes prayed in the building and even anointed it with oil, various different things they did to um, uh, to really consider the proposition. Uh, but in the in the COVID era, no one had, you know, quite the the either the courage or the inspiration to to move ahead with the deal. And it came to the end of the listing time. And so uh, I called the owner of the club and asked for an extension on the listing. And she, she said, yeah, you can have a week. And, uh, and I thought, oh, a week? I've been working at this for six months. And she said, and I want you to call this lady. She looked at it over a year ago. And uh, we didn't come to terms, but uh, see what you can do with her. She said she's a tough oriental military woman, 
and she won't pay your commission, but that's your problem. Deal with it. Look her up before you call her. <laughs> and she gave she gave me the uh, uh, her contact information. So I looked her up on the internet, and uh, and I found well, yeah, this will be an interesting conversation because Linda was a, she was a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, retired, and uh, she had a PhD in organizational psychology. And she's got several master's degrees. Her background was in the medical corps in the Air Force. And so I thought, well, well this is it's all great. And, and I realized she was from Vietnam. And there was even an article that mentioned she wanted to start a, uh, a medical mission to Vietnam. And it said that she was Vietnamese. And I had lived in Vietnam for 12 years. So I'm very familiar with Vietnam. And I thought, wow, we can have a conversation. And let me see if I can interest her in this building. So I called her up on the phone, and, and she answered right away, and she says, oh, yeah, I remember that building. I looked at it a year ago. The owner and I didn't come to terms. And when I walk away from the deal, I never look back. And so I thought, oh, okay. And so I thought, well, maybe I can keep the conversation going a little farther. So, uh, so I mentioned that my dad was a retired lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, same as her. And she asked his name and, and then said, oh, I didn't know him. Uh, anything else? And so I said, well, uh, Let's see, I lived in Vietnam for 12 years. And she says, yeah, I left when I was a little girl. Don't remember much about it. Anything else? <laughs> and so I, I was given up at that point. And I just said, well, you know, I had, uh, I read that she wanted to start a hospital or some kind of a medical mission in Vietnam. I know a couple of doctors, got a good friend over there that's a doctor. Uh, I could introduce you. I was just getting off the phone at that point. And she says, no, that's all right. I, I have a dear friend over there, Dr. Dong. He's like family to me. I don't need any introductions. And I thought, Dong, Dr. Dong, well, that, my friend's name is Dong. I mean, what are the chances of that? But I, I don't even know why, but I asked her, is his name Nguyen perchance? And, and, uh, and in Vietnam, about 40% of the people in the country have the surname Nguyen. It's ridiculously popular. And so, so she says, yes, his name is Guyan. I could hear the fatigue in her voice. She was done talking to me. And so I said, well, you know, was he married to an American woman? And did they live in Egypt for five years? And did he do his internship at a Seattle hospital? And there was wow. this pause at the other end of the phone. And she says, yes. And I said, well, we know the same Dong Nguyen. There couldn't be two. And it, it just changed the whole conversation. And uh, and the next thing Linda said was, you know, I've never seen the inside of that building. And I said, well, I've got a key. And she said, I'll meet you down there tomorrow at 10 o'clock. And so sure enough, we met we met at the building at 10 o'clock the next morning and made our way through the Halloween decorations and the cobwebs and our, with our flashlights. And Linda brought a pastor and her construction advisor and her real estate agent. And as we're walking through this dark building, something about Linda was really familiar to me. And just out of the blue, I remembered that 10 years ago in Hanoi, Vietnam, my dear friend, Dr. Dong, invited me to a dinner party at his father's house. He wanted me to meet some American couples with Doctors Without Borders. But all of a sudden, I had this crazy feeling that Linda was there, that I had dinner with Linda 10 years ago in Hanoi, Vietnam. So I just I just walked right up to her and I said, Linda. And I mentioned the, the dinner party and I asked her if she was there and she says, well, sure. And, and then her eyes got big and her mouth fell open. <laughs> and, and we realized 
what what are the chances that you know that we would know the same person on the other side of the planet and that and it, and that we had dinner together in a, in Hanoi Vietnam 10 years prior and that this somehow our lives had been orchestrated so that they would cross and it, there was a sense of awe that hung in the mm-hmm. air as we as we we just stood there silently and then we we were finishing the tour and and Linda uh at the, we're in the top floor overlooking the Merrill Field. It's an airport across the street. And uh, Linda turns to us and she says, do you guys want to know why I really want to buy this building? And we, none of us had a clue. And Linda, Linda, she just started crying. Tears were running down her cheeks. And then we really didn't know what to do. It was a very awkward moment for, other, for us all. And then she said, because my mother was a stripper. And I want to turn this place into a church. You could have heard a pin drop. I mean, it was, nobody knew what to say. It just was obviously this incredibly cathartic moment for Linda. And uh, it was a deeply moving and spiritual um, experience for really everybody in the room. And uh, You know, what happened to yeah. me was when we first came into the building, it was black. It was pre-foreclosure, so there's no electricity. So the only way we could see the building is with a flashlight and our phone. Mm. Mm. And what I did was I went to the first strip pole, the catwalk. I stood there. Everybody was busy. Pastor Mendez was looking at the building for a church. My construction worker was looking at the assessment of the building. My real estate agent, you know, everybody had different purpose. But mm-hmm. Well, God had it for me with my faith, hope, and love, I looked at the strip pole, and I thought, this is what my mother had to go through. And I slowly walked at the second strip pole when people were just looking and buzzing around like a bumblebee. I said, Mom, I'm very sorry. I'm sorry for condemning you. I'm sorry for being high-minded. Then we went to another room, which I found out since. It's called a lap dance. It's a private room with a strip Mm -hmm. pole. Mm. And when I went in there, my heart was broken in a thousand pieces. Mm-hmm. And it's because of my condemnation. Because I think for the rest of us, by um, American standard, I've lived a clean life. But I'm filthy rag, sin, and I'm no better than a liar or a thief. I just haven't committed outward sin like the rest, but I've committed sin in my heart. And so by the time I went to the third floor, I I knew what my mom had to go through. No little girl had ever gone through in life and said, I wish I grew up to be a prostitute. I wish I grew up to be a stripper. We want to be a, a school teacher. We want to be a nurse. And by society, a colonel, a doctor. But you know, I've learned because I'm a mom. Uh, as a mom, I'm willing to lie, cheat, and steal so there will be food on my children's table so I can clothe them. I can provide shelter for them. That's what I would do as a mom. And my mother was no different. She didn't marry right. She never married her Prince Charming. She married all her husband in a bar because she met them in a bar. Mm-hmm. She got the same guy with four different names. Yeah, I, Linda, I just, um, your story is so precious, and I want to thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing it. Um, 
so authentically. Mike, I want to thank you for, you know, helping us understand the um, the amazing, uh, this, the absolutely amazing God thread uh, in, in all of this and behind it. I mean, only God could do, could do, uh, could bring this story together in this way. It is redemptive. It is powerful. We, we want to thank both of you for joining us today. You guys can um, find more information. This church is on, uh, it used to be called Fantasies on Fifth. It's in Anchorage, and now it is the home of the Open Door Baptist Church and a number of other congregations as well. Linda Dunnigan is the, um, is the woman behind it, and God is the God behind her. Um, and we want to thank Mike Gailey, who is the real estate agent involved as well. Thank you to both of you um, so very much for joining us today and sharing your story. It's just wonderful to meet you. My well, thank you very much. Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Welcome to the First Church of Mercy, where the doors of love swing open wide. All right, I ask uh, Linda and, and Mike specifically where online could people connect with them? Uh, and the answer to that question is children's benefit foundation.org. So children's, plural, children's benefit foundation.org. That's where you can connect with Linda and Mike and the good work that they are doing um, to bridge the gap between poverty and productivity uh, in Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, You can also see the information there about the transformation of the strip club into um, a sanctuary into a place where people are served well by the living God and encouraged in their um, in, in their in life in the realities of life. All right, so check it out: childrensbenefitfoundation.org. Um, again, let me just uh, call each of us and all of us today to a kingdom kindness challenge. Um, we all know the golden rule: do unto others as. You would have them do unto us, like right, do unto others as we would have them do unto us. But let's um let's let's try that a little differently today. What if we thought about a rule and made it a common rule? What if we thought about a rule that's worthy of the kingdom? What if we were do, to do unto others as God has done unto us in Christ? So let's not do unto others as we would have them do unto us. That makes us the arbiters of right and wrong. Let's today uh, apply a kingdom kindness challenge and let's um, do unto others as God has done unto us in Christ Jesus. That's my kingdom kindness challenge for the day as you and I seek to be people who sow peace in a world where lots of people are just spewing venom. All right, we have another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. We're going to survey some of the headlines and apply the mind of Christ. We're going to talk with our friend Bill English, and then we are going to revisit the common rule and the habits of the household with Justin Early. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.